This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 ESPN. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. This hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And the goal that we have is to provide you some really good local information so you know what's happening in our real estate market here in the Central Valley. And you don't have to rely on news sources that may may come out of New Jersey or Florida because it's different there. By the way, so is the weather. Um, What makes our show the most informative is not me because I don't know everything, Uh, although my son one time accused me of me thinking that, but um, it's because we have 4,000 members that come in uh, every week. We have a different member to give their perspective. And every once in a while, we get blessed by having a special guest such as we have today. And that is one of our elected officials, Nathan Magzig. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me this morning. All right. And it's, I believe, District 5 in the in Fresno County, which is, let me guess, Northeast Fresno County? You know what? It, it, it is Northeast, but it also includes uh, Eastern Fresno County. Once you get past Sanger, uh, as you're heading east, I go all the way to the south, all the way to the San Joaquin River to the north. So I have pretty much that dog bone of Fresno County when you look at it uh, on a map. So it includes areas like Squaw Valley, Dunlap, and very big district, 2,800 square miles. Wow. I've always wondered this. In the Board of Supervisors, how is it that your district uh, is different than, let's say, uh, uh, Buddy Mendez, who's on the western side of the, of the county, D- um, as far as how you make policy? Sure. Well, so the here in the county of Fresno, you have two urban supervisors and three rural supervisors. And so basically the the uh, urban supervisors right now are uh, Sal Quintero and Steve Brandau. Their districts pretty much are focused in the metropolitan <laughs> area. Sal has a little piece of Clovis and then um, a lot of central Fresno. And Steve Brandau has Northwest and Northeast Fresno, and also he has part of Northwest Clovis. And when you look at uh, Brian Pacheco, Brian Pacheco has Central and Northwest Fresno County, and uh, Buddy Mendez has uh, really the Southern, uh, Western, and Eastern part of Fresno County. Uh, Buddy has the most cities in his district, cities like Reedley, uh, Sanger, Parlier. Um, and then you have, of course, uh, Brian Pacheco that has cities like Kerman, Mendota, uh, Firebaugh. So the really the difference between rural and urban, as you take a look at the county, the county of Fresno is 6,000 square miles. The metropolitan area only consists of two cities, which is Fresno and Clovis, but you have 13 other cities that are very unique with diverse populations. So it's important to make sure that all residents of Fresno County are represented. And we've got a a, a very good mix of elected officials that do just that. You know, I've noticed just by paying attention, um, it's a pretty cohesive group right now. Is is that fair to say? 
I would say it's fair to say we each uh, have very strong personalities, but we do respect one another. So it is a rarity for you to tune into a board of supervisors meeting and find a conflict between the supervisors. You'll see conflict over topics, but you never see it getting personal. And to me, that's what I like. That's where best government happens. All right. That's good. It doesn't get personal. And by the way, I noticed that when you were on the Clovis City Council, too. It may have something to do with you, Nathan. Oh, well, I I will say that (laughs) I'm still learning a lot. And when I first was elected, I was pretty young. And I had some great mentors and teachers who kind of wrapped their arms around me and just shared with me that um, with with politics, it is a long game. And so if I really want to accomplish things, I have to focus more on um, those goals that I have as opposed to trying to win every political battle. And so that's been my philosophy for the last really 22 years. Interesting. You just teed me up for uh, a little commentary that I wanted to give. And this is something that I've noticed uh, out in the market right now you know right now we all think it's a seller's market because homes are selling fast there's multiple offers in fact there's people lined up at the curb waiting their turn to see the house that's a seller's market but it's also a buyer's market because the interest rates are so low and it's what uh, just a fantastic opportunity but it's also creating a little phenomena in negotiating so i think we got to go back to the negotiating that you talked about and you didn't use the term win-win negotiating but both sides need to win to make a happy good uh, safe uh, transaction price is not always what you win on sometimes uh, maybe you maybe the buyer can make an offer to where they're allowing the seller extra time of possession to move so they can make a double move um, and buy something else. There's so many other things. There's, well, the, I took a class one time on win-win negotiating. The guy said it best. There's three parts to a contract. There's the price, there's the time, and the terms. If you try to win all three of them, you're probably going to lose because what's in it for the other side so maybe you don't give them price but you give them time and terms and that that's a great way to do it little commentary here um had an interesting one this week Uh, had a buyer who uh buying a their forever home they're excited and that was obvious right from day one But this week we get down towards the end, and of course the lender's asking for one more document, one more of this. There's the you know all kinds of things going on. He said, "Boy, Don, I don't know if I can make it to the finish line. Um, th- this is getting to me." And I said, "Hey, wait a minute. You're a football fan. What would the a 49ers fan? In fact, I said, would the 49ers give up on the one yard line?" And he stopped and he goes, "Wow, you're right." He goes, and you know what? This is our Super Bowl. And that's what I think we have to remember. When somebody is purchasing their home, it is a Super Bowl to them. It's an important time in their life. There's my commentary for today. <laughs> um, I do want to give you some Fresno County stats. And then, Nathan, I would love it to, to get your take on it. 
So what I did is the first seven months, because our eighth month is not quite yet complete, so I didn't want to get that in there, but this is the first seven months of 2020. So uh, there were 4,650 sales, um, and the median sales price is 295000 And to show you that the housing market, the resale market is big to Fresno County, that represented $1.5 billion in transactions. So um, that, uh, that adds to the economy of Fresno County. All right, but you might say, well, how does that compare to last year? Yes, we are down because last year there was 5,050 compared to 4,650 this time. But you got to go, you can't just do that because the two years, because we're all going to make the assumption that, oh, that's COVID related. The same drop occurred from 2018. We're at 5,500. So each year we're dropping about 450 to 500 sales. So, however, the median price is going up. So in 2018, it was 265,000. Then it went up to 274,000. Went up 9,000 bucks the, uh, from 2018 to 19. And now we're at 295,000. So it went up 20,000. It seems like the fewer sales, the more prices go up. And I'm going to venture the guess that the reason we have fewer sales, there's not a lot of new home building going on. So there's more people competing for fewer homes. Nathan, I'm going to get your take because you also are a home builder. Correct. So. I first got involved in the construction industry back in 2002 and uh, eventually ran a nonprofit uh, housing construction company for about nine and a half years and uh, <clears throat> been involved with about 140 different projects during that time. And when I was building in the early 2000s, uh, it was, shoot, the, the market was really on the, on the upswing up until really 2007. And then in 2008, of course, we had the, the great financial crisis and things got really difficult. But uh, during during that time, those seven years, uh, we really saw a lot of activity. I would say probably more um, new housing construction from 2000 to 2007 than ever in the history of Fresno County. But things that we're seeing right now, which is making it more and more difficult to build homes, the, the state is always imposing new fees and requirements on builders. And anytime you do that, it drives the cost up. Here's a couple of examples. Uh, in January, a new energy code took effect. So now solar is required. Uh, leading up to this year, you had to wire for solar, and even doing that added a little bit of cost. But I just uh, sold a home last week, and uh, when we did all of our calculations on this particular house, it required us to put a solar system on that we had to offer that was uh, 4.1 kilowatts. And uh, looking at just cost uh, for each you know, each watt, you're looking at right around $2.80 a watt. Well, there's, um, you know, with 4.1, that's uh, 4,100 watts. So you do the math and you can see that well over 12,000 or right around 12, 10 to $12,000 of new cost just for the solar was required. You, with new construction, you typically don't see uh, freestanding hot water heaters anymore. It's those uh, wall instant hot water heaters and those cost more money. 
And so uh, more insulation is required. Our values uh, for walls uh, is going up and in the attic too. All these things make homes more efficient, but it also drives the cost up. In addition to that, I think in uh, July, the state legislature enacted a new fee to try to force people into cities and create more dense developments. And it's uh, this VMT fee, vehicle miles traveled fee. Some believe it could add as much as $40,000 per home on new construction. So this is just in the last handful of years where we've seen all these new expenses and Mm -hmm. you've got the governor saying he wants to build 3 million new homes by the end of 2026. And really if if politicians were serious about building more housing, they'd get out of the way of the free market and they would stop burdening the free market. I look at our forests here in Fresno County. We've had over 25 million trees in Fresno County die since 2011 that they're going to serve no purpose. We could have been harvesting our forests, bringing that wood out of our forests in Fresno County, using that to build homes, and uh, we wouldn't have all these dead and dying trees in the forest. So there are so many things this state is doing backwards, in my opinion, and I really look forward to elected leaders getting serious about housing. When we get back from our commercial break, I want to ask you, what's the best way for people like me, people like our listeners to contact Sacramento? You can't just call Sacramento. So what's the best way to effectively do it? But stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and it's almost September, not quite. And here in the studio with us today, we have the uh, from the County Board of Supervisors, Nathan Magzig. Don, and, it's good to be here. Yeah, and I got to tell you, I love the hat you're wearing. And for all the listeners out there, no, it's not a Dodgers hat. <laughs> it, it's a Welcome Home Radio hat that... Um, I guess you got that last time you were out here. Yeah, you know, actually, I've had this hat for uh, for a while. I've been on the show a couple of times, and I think Gerard uh, at one point felt uh, sorry for me because I didn't comb my hair. He goes, "Mag, you got to cover that that uh, hair up." So here, put this hat on, and I've been wearing it ever since. <laughs> All right, good looking hat, um, <clears throat> Gerard. You need to order more of them. Uh, so there you go. Um, okay. In the last segment, you were talking about the uh, a new tax, vehicle miles tax, the VMT, I think is what it's referred to. Correct. Tell us more about that. I, I mean, how does this? How are they going to tax me on how much I drive? Because do they really know how much I drive? Well, the the state legislature in the really the last decade has been trying to force more density and really uh, force people into the inner city. They want people to use more mass transit and uh, uh, they've got different reasons for that. And a lot of our legislators that make up the majority in Sacramento are from cities like San Francisco and they're from uh, large areas like Los Angeles County, uh, which consists of many cities that are, are pretty dense. And so a lot of the policies that they bring with them when they come from their local communities up to Sacramento just don't work for the rest of the state of California. The vast majority 
um, of the state of California is pretty rural. Uh, but when you look at the population centers, Los Angeles County consists of 10 million people. That's 25% of the entire population of the state of California. And so you look at some of the coastal communities, uh, Los Angeles, San Diego, Riverside, San Bernardino, uh, you, you take those into consideration, you're up to 75% of the total state's population really clustered in very dense cities. But here in the Central Valley, we have a, a much more rural lifestyle. Uh, we have a, uh, a, an economy which is uh, built upon the agricultural sector. Uh, you look at uh, counties like Fresno County, Madera County, Tulare, and even Kern, right there you've got the uh, number one, two, and three agricultural producing counties in the world. Right now, Fresno County is recognized as the number one agricultural producing region in the world. And dense developments, dense cities like a San Francisco just don't work here. Now, there are always things that we can do to be more efficient with our lands and good stewards, but unfortunately, there are not enough uh, suburban and rural voices in Sacramento to really protect us and, and protect our way of life here in the Central Valley. And why is that, that there's not enough people from the Central Valley representing us in, at the state? Well, when you look at just uh, how assembly districts, assembly districts and Senate districts currently are drawn, um, we just, uh, here in the Central Valley, a Senate district consists of about 800, actually a million people, and an assembly district uh, consists of 500,000 people. So what happens is, since all the population is clustered in those dense cities in southern and, the, and uh, northern coastal areas, that is where the majority of the legislature comes from. So, but again, you look at uh, like Representative Andreas Borges, he has a district that runs um, all the way from Fresno County, um, uh, all the way up north, I believe it might even go past uh, uh, Sacramento. And so hundreds of miles uh, as the crow flies, uh, a district like that where there are some uh, senators in, in Southern California where their, their district uh, as the crow flies may only be, um, you know, 50 or 60 miles. Wow. So he must like to travel. <laughs> I don't know if he likes it, but it's, it's part of the job. Part of, okay. Uh, earlier, I, I asked the question, how, what's the best way for someone like me or, or our listeners to affect change in Sacramento? Well, I'll say this. First and foremost, uh, there, I, I say this a lot, I'm an elected official, but you need to vote every election, every local election, um, every uh, primary, every general election. Make sure that you get out there and vote and let your voice be heard. But as there are bills that are introduced in the legislature, things that people can do, uh, and the association, the, the California Association of Realtors and the local chapter here, I think does a great job informing members about what bills uh, are coming up that can impact the industry. And writing letters, uh, personal letters to uh, the authors of these bills and to the governor, sending those letters is significant. Uh, if you can't do a letter, make a phone call. And a lot of people sit there and say, well, no one's going to listen to me. I will say this. I am constantly getting letters from folks supporting or opposing things happening in Fresno County. I get emails from people, and I, I work very hard to make sure that anyone who sends me an email, I follow up with a phone call or some type of response back to them to let them know I've read what they've sent to me. Um, or if there are comments or questions they have, I try to answer those questions for them. In Sacramento, as your elected leaders get letters like that from people who are in their district, 
Um, their staff may read those notes, and sometimes the members themselves read those notes and letters too. So they do have an impact. Okay, and somebody told me that a letter is far more effective than a phone call or even an email. I would say I, I would say that is true. And I get a lot of form letters where it's the exact same language, but maybe the, the name at the top has changed. That's effective, but what's more effective is when someone writes from their heart, and it doesn't have to be a long note. It can be just a paragraph where they share their perspective or their concerns or something that they're very pleased about, and they send that to me. Um, I have a drawer f uh, filled with cards from folks who have uh, written to me over the, you know, over the course of the last uh, really three years or so, uh, four years since I've been on the Board of Supervisors. Mm -hmm. um, and in and, uh, and this drawer, I, I wish I got more cards from folks like this, but um, every once in a while, maybe every month or, or every other month, I'll get, a, I'll get a note from someone who mm -hmm. has been pleased about something in the county and they took the time to actually handwrite a note. And that is becoming more and more rare. But, but when I receive a letter like that, it's special, and I want to hold on to that. Well, that's good to know. And that's you're kind of empowering me to write more letters because if it could be effective, because um, I really, f I, I agree with you. I feel that Fresno County, the Central Valley, is a different world than the coastal areas of California, which by the way, that's one of the beauties of California is the diversity. Um, boy, it's, it's just a great place to travel. I've often said that th three most beautiful places in the world that I've seen are Italy, go figure, <laughs> Italy, New Zealand, and California. All three of them are long, narrow places with very diverse geographic uh, features and and uh, demographic features too. I'll tell you this. So with Fresno County, there there is so much to see in Fresno County. You could spend a lifetime and still not see everything. So as the District Five Supervisor that represents 2,800 square miles, I have the uh, the largest trees in the world in my district. I have the deepest canyon in North America in my district. And a lot of people aren't aware that there is a canyon in Fresno County that's 2,000 feet deeper than the Grand Canyon. And when you go into the base of this canyon and look up, it makes the Grand Canyon look small. That's Kings it, Canyon. I was just going to guess that. We uh, have caverns, Boyden Cavern, where you can go back like four or 500 feet uh, and look at uh, stalagmites and stalactites, and there's an underground stream that runs through there that is, uh, you, can, you can buy tickets and go through this thing. And 100 years ago, there was uh, an individual who lived inside of this cavern. Uh, I believe Native Americans used to use this, this cavern too. And regardless if you go out to this cavern in the winter, and I believe it's closed in the winter, but if you go into it in the winter or the summer, it's always like 60 degrees. So it is awesome. And people don't even know things like that exist. But back to the Kings River. The Kings River is one of the most rugged rivers in the world. And um, the Upper Kings, if you haven't seen it, when it is flowing full speed, it is, you can sit there and stare at it for an hour because of the, the volume of water that moves through the Upper Kings and then it flows into Pine Flat. And then, of course, Pine Flat dumps all that water out into the Lower Kings. But the amount of water that comes from the mountains and is channeled through the Upper Kings, it is 
it is a wonder. That is some of the most beautiful territory that the good Lord created. And uh, I've always loved, and that's why I love California and Fresno County. I mean, in in one day, you can take a trip to and, and see the canyon. And, and you're saying that that is deeper than the Grand Canyon. 2,000 feet deeper than the Grand Canyon. It is the deepest canyon in North America. Look uh, it up. If, uh, I, if I'm mistaken, one of the listeners can educate me, but... I've been educated, so that's why I stick with those facts. I know a few realtors out there that will correct you and say, ah, it's actually 1,975 feet. Bring it on. (laughs) Well, with that, we are going to go to our next commercial break, so stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 ESPN. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, and here in the studio with us today, we have uh, from the Board of Supervisors, Nathan Magzik. Thank you for being here again and sharing your, your knowledge with us. Now, I would like to ask you, because you're pre-politics, you were in building, so you've got that background, and I, I you are a general contractor, right? That's correct. So... I hear it's difficult to build anymore. Is Give us your take on that. Well, I, I've had the pleasure of uh, now being involved in building in three different decades. So early 2000s, uh, uh, post-2010, and now we're in you know 2020. And what I've seen is the amount of time that it takes to do a plan check. Uh, when I first started building in uh, Fresno, you could have standard plans developed and as soon as the city would approve a standard plan all you needed to do is find a lot that met certain setbacks and it was a very quick process you could basically get a permit issued to you over the counter because you had on file this standard plan that you were going to build well today if you want to build a new home you basically have to submit even if it's going to be a home that you've built over and over again you have to submit that plan for plan check because Title 24, when you deal with energy calcs, depending on the orientation of the home on the lot, so which way is it facing, north, south, east, or west, uh, you may need to add additional insulation. It might require more solar um, on that particular house. And there's all these additional calculations. um, So it takes weeks uh, to go through that plan check process before you can get a building permit to start building. So a lot of changes, it, it's created delays. It makes it harder for someone who wants to get involved in the building industry just to, to jump in. So it's created, I think, additional uh, barriers to entry. Uh, but when you've been at it for uh, a few decades, it gives you an opportunity to see what it used to be like and what it's like today. The direction is not a good one, I would say because we need more housing. The governor has indicated we need 3 million more housing units. And the first two years he's been in office, every year he's been in office, the state of California has built fewer homes. And I believe that is because of all the regulations that are out there to build homes. And to put a little perspective on the 3 million homes comment that the governor made, um, and I don't have my numbers exactly, but since 2007, the state of California has been producing about one-fifth, 20% of what we need to meet the demand of housing because we have 
you know, kids growing up wanting their own place. You have people coming to California and, and there needs to be housing for them. Um, so for the last 13 years, we've been producing about, th- you know, 20% of that. Three million was a promise that would have gotten us back on track after a handful of years. Um, so, but we're not going in the right direction. Maybe we got held back by COVID. I don't know. I will say one thing I've noticed with COVID is um, a lot of these dense cities here in California, a lot of people are fleeing those cities and moving into the suburban areas of the state. My uh, uh, wife is uh, involved in Clovis Unified School District. She works at an elementary school, and she's seen a number of new people who've moved here from Seattle. They've moved here from New York. Um, They've moved here from Silicon Valley. And they've been told by their businesses that you don't need to work. You can work remotely now from home. And that might be what happens after we're done with COVID. More and more people may be able to work from home, especially people in the high tech sectors. And here in Fresno County, you just went over some stats earlier about how over the course of the last three years, the median price of homes has gone from being around 265 to now 290, 295. And as more people are coming in and we have limited inventory here, it forces the market to go up. I, I, I think about the affordability index, which basically looks at the wages of a particular region, and then it looks at the, the uh, median price of homes. And then there's a calculation that's made which says, what percent of the population can afford a moderately priced home? The reason I pay attention to that number is uh, when we had the housing bust in 2008, I believe the affordability index in Fresno County was about 17%. So for a healthy market, you really want to see the affordability index. You want uh, between 50 to 60% of the people in a given market area being able to afford a moderately priced home. So I don't know what that index looks like today, but as prices continue to be driven up, fewer and fewer people can afford a moderately priced home. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, interest rates have really helped that out. So I I think we're, and I don't have an update on that number, but we're in Fresno County, I believe we're well into the 30s. But interest rates has made a big part of that. In fact, um, 18 months ago, interest rates were about 5%. Now they're three, and in many cases under three, they're in the twos. But just between 5% and 3%, for the same payment, you can now buy $75,000 more home. So that's how interest rates has impacted that. Um, you brought out a good point because I was talking to a, a, a builder, developer. He's used to building 100 to 200 um, unit subdivisions. But if most of the laws are being passed by people from the Bay Area where a 200 unit subdivision in their cities means a 20-story tall building because they don't have the land to to build like we do. Maybe we have laws being passed by people that don't really understand the Central Valley. Well, so uh, you mentioned earlier the one thing that makes this state so great is just how diverse we are as a state uh, in its people, in in the fact that we've got a lot of coastal area, mountain area, forests. So, so much diversity. But for the best decisions to be made in the legislature, that diversity needs to be reflected there, too. And a lot of the people who are in the legislature have a big city, inner city mentality. 
and California is much more than that. And so we need more rural representation in Sacramento. All right, excellent. Um, do you uh, now? I've heard that the cities of Fresno County need to make a an agreement with the county to annex land to build subdivisions. But are there some roadblocks going up there? Really, no. So what you're referring to is is what's called a tax sharing agreement. So the way that cities are able to grow is they have what's called a sphere of influence. Cities are allowed to annex within their spheres of influence. Uh, spheres of influence. There's an independent body called the Local Agency for Formation Commission, LAFCO. LAFCO takes a look at all annexations within spheres and will approve <clears throat> or deny them, but they require a tax sharing agreement between the county and that city that's working on that annexation. The reason tax sharing agreements are important is right now uh, land that is in the the county area not uh, within cities specifically the county gets 100 percent of the property taxes but as they are annexed um, the property tax is split between the county and the city and and that's why you have this tax sharing agreement so 14 cities in fresno county right now actually all 15 cities have a tax sharing agreement but here in a few days the tax sharing agreement that the city of fresno has with the county is going to come to an end uh, a couple of months ago, the, the council in Fresno uh, got a little uh, sideways, I would say, with the county, and they have some issues with the existing tax sharing agreement, which has been in place for about 30 years, 25 to 30 years here in Fresno County. They believe that uh, the, the city uh, should be getting more money out of that tax sharing agreement. And so uh, myself and Buddy Mendez, as well as uh, uh, some council members from Fresno, at some point we'll be getting together to talk about this a little bit more. But uh, again, the tax sharing agreement is required whenever you have an annexation into the city from uh, a county area. And of course, those tax dollars go for services. So um, is the are the cities have, being required to provide more services now than let's say the past 30 years? So um, I would say things are getting more expensive across the board. Uh, if, uh, if you look at what it costs just to maintain roads, uh, you uh, aggregate is getting more and more challenging to get your hands on and uh, building new aggregate sites is difficult. So cost of materials is going up. So property taxes that you have, as you, you cut up that property tax pie, schools and school districts get about 60% of property taxes that you pay. Um, and then special districts get a portion of the property taxes that you pay. And then the remainder is split up between cities and counties. And what the, what the county right now gets, for every dollar that you pay in property taxes, the county gets about 13 cents on the dollar within the cities where there's a tax sharing agreement. And so uh, what do we use that money for? I'll tell you that the county of Fresno's budget is about $3.7 billion. Of that, the discretionary revenue we have amounts to about $300 million. So less than one-tenth of our total budget is discretionary revenue. Of the $300 million, roughly 80, uh, I want to say 80 to $90 million comes from property taxes. Other um, discretionary sources of revenue for us are some sales taxes, vehicle license fees, and a couple other uh, uh, fees and, and uh, revenues from the state. So, uh, but property taxes make up a lot of our discretionary revenue. The county takes that money and then we leverage it. 
So our Department of Social Services uh, receives funding from the state and federal government, but it requires a match of our discretionary revenue for us to leverage that money. So the, the true question needs to be asked, who is getting most services from the county? Because the county provides services like a behavioral health, Department of Behavioral Health, Department of Health, uh, Department of Social Services. And so uh, we also need to take a look at like our jail, our district attorney, our sheriff's department, our public defender. As we look at all of the services that the county provides, if it's found that the city of Fresno, city of Fresno is about 50% of the population of the county, but if they're using 60% of the programs and resources that the county has, you that, to me, that's how I look at um, uh, total cost and what is fair. I'm glad you pointed that out because I'm thinking of city services as being utilities, water and, and garbage, um, but it's more than that. It It's the um, behavioral health, the, the, the district attorney's office, the jails. Yep. Yeah. Correct. So the the county is uh, responsible for for many things that do have a direct impact for citizens that do live uh, do live within cities, and sometimes that is lost on on city council members because they uh, they haven't worked at the county level before. But I have no problem sitting down and going through the analysis of taking a look at how uh, how the the county utilizes the resources we receive. So I do believe that uh, proportionally, we it should be a, it should be fair. And um, by no means would I ever want to take more resources from a city um, in, in a manner that was not fair. All right. With that, we are going to our next commercial break. But stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, nine forty ESPN. California, here I come. Drive back where I started from. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino and Supervisor Nathan Magzik. And with that music about Welcome to California, Welcome to Fresno County, um, why should people consider living here? For, let's say from outside the area. You, you mentioned earlier people moving here. Why? Well, I'll tell you, California is the most beautiful state in uh, the United States. But why Fresno County, specifically within California? We have over 50 named lakes in Fresno County. We have uh, some of the highest peaks in the Sierra, in Mount Goddard. Uh, we have incredible hiking trails, camping uh, opportunities. We have a number of camps from Camp Sequoia to Hume Lake right here in Fresno County. And if you like to eat, which you can tell when you, when you look at my stomach here, I love to eat a lot. Uh, we have the best uh, f uh, fruit and fiber and beef anywhere in the world. So to me, uh, what really seals the deal are the people and the opportunities to have fantastic education. We have Fres California State University Fresno here. We have the State Center Community College District. We have Clovis Unified School District. We have Sanger Unified School District, Central Unified School District, um, uh, many, many uh, different school districts. I think about 34 different school districts right here in Fresno County alone that all are excellent. And so if you want to raise a family, you live an active lifestyle, you love God's creation, Fresno County 
is the place that you want to be. I have to agree with you wholeheartedly. I've lived here my whole life, and I was blessed to have a father who loved to just drive. So maybe on a Sunday, we would go driving up into the mountains, or we would go driving out to the west side of the valley and uh, look around there. It, and it's just, it's beautiful. It's so diverse. The people are diverse. Uh, one thing I love, and I tell people this, um, everybody's here. You, you look around the world, um, Im- immigrants from everywhere live here in Fresno County. Um, and, and it's great because you, you, it's, it's a fun place because of that. Um, and then economically, it, it's so much more affordable than living on the coast. But speaking of that, the coast, if you want to see the coast, you could drive there, enjoy the day, and drive home the same night. That's right. And, and another factoid for your listeners out there, uh, during the winter, uh, uh, China Peak has some incredible skiing opportunities. You can slap on some skis, a, a snowboard, uh, do a couple of runs at China Peak, jump in your truck and drive to the coast and listen to the ocean in a matter of 12 hours. There are very few places that you can do that, but you can do that here in Fresno County. You know, I've done that before. I went snow skiing and body surfing all in the same day. Now, I have to admit that was back when I was younger and not so smart. That was an awful lot of driving, but the fact is you can do it. All right. I don't want to pass up the opportunity since you're here to talk about property taxes. And coming up on the um, ballot in November is Proposition 15, which will make a big hit on Proposition 13. This is going to get confusing, but maybe you can make it simple for us. Well, I'll I'll give it a shot. And I'll say this. um, I do. I'm a firm uh, supporter of Prop 13. And uh, for those listeners out there who don't remember, in uh, the 1970s, property taxes were really getting out of hand. And the, the uh, voters stood up to uh, state government and local government and said, enough is enough. Uh, Prop 13 was put into place, and it only allowed for an, increased, an increase in valuation of no more than 2% per year. And also it rolled back uh, the rolls to 1%. Now, when you look at your property tax bill, you will see some additions on there for bond measures that have to be approved by voters, school bond measures, maybe other bond measures um, uh, that are tacked on to special districts that maybe you live in. But uh, Prop 13 really rolled back the, the property tax uh, costs on citizens. So this November, there is a measure on the ballot that is going to attempt to weaken Prop 13. And concerns that I have with it, even though they say that uh, Prop 15 is focused on commercial properties only, to me, it's been, it's been clear that uh, the legislature is, is very interested in weakening Prop 13 in total. So for me, I would say vote against it. Um, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I believe that we need to protect Prop 13 because it has uh, housing costs are high enough as it is. And uh, many people who have mortgages that are locked in at 15 and 30 years, at some point, if uh, they start tinkering with Prop uh, 13 and start raising the cost of your property taxes, it makes affordability that much more difficult. Now, with Prop 15, even though it focuses on commercial properties out there, I look at uh, right now with COVID and the impact to many commercial properties, and there are owners that are struggling 
this is the worst possible time to be trying to tinker and raise taxes, whether it's commercial or residential properties. So for that reason and many others, you know, it's it's uh, one that I'm going to be uh, opposing. And moving forward, anything that weakens Prop 13, I'm going to be opposing that too. Good. Thank you. It, and let me make a plug for Proposition 13. So in 2003 through 2007, adjustable rate mortgages became very popular. Um, and we saw what happened when the bubble burst on that. Um, people did, you know, maybe they, they had a fixed interest rate for the first year or two, and then all of a sudden it went to an adjustable and their payment would sometimes double uh, in one month, not in one month, in one year. So it was that unpredictability that, that really harmed them and some people lost their, their, their homes, their businesses and such. Okay, Proposition 13 is a fixed rate mortgage or the analogy. So you know, when you buy a property, you know what your property taxes are gonna be for the duration of the time that you own it. Just like with a fixed rate mortgage, you know that. Um, if you take that away, you go to an adjustable rate tax. And, and it's based on the spending habits of the county at the time. And we're not always gonna have Nathan on the board of supervisors to make sure the budget's in place. That was a little plug for you, Nathan. Thank you very much. <laughs> I remember prior to, this is how old I am, I remember prior to uh, Proposition 13, I remember my mother getting, opening the mail, opening the tax bill, and she busted out crying. She didn't know how we were gonna afford it because the property taxes had gone way up on her that, that time. So um, that's what a vote for Prop, 13, Prop 15 would do. It would, so no on Proposition 15 means keep it the way it is where we have a fixed rate tax base. You know what your taxes are gonna be for the duration of your ownership. Um, so thank you for that, that commentary. And I'm glad you, because we do need to talk about that. Ballots are going out soon. Yep, ballots will be going out soon, and philosophically, uh, things I want your listeners to remember, uh, as uh, many look at politics and, and they just shake their head, and they should, because right now many politicians are out there uh, and, and they're divided. But I'll just, for your listeners out there, I want to share with you philosophically what I believe in. I believe in local control. I like to see government at the state and federal level smaller than what it is. And if you're going to have, um, you know, larger... Uh, government, it needs to be at the local level because that is closest to the people. And to me, uh, government needs to be focusing on basic things. So sewer plants, surface water treatment plants, roads, uh, trunk lines in the ground, uh, different utilities, and of course, public safety. And once government does that well, then they can start looking to tinker in other areas. Where I get frustrated is, is it seems like state government and even federal government, they have grown and there are so many new programs and, and additional programs they keep thinking about and, and actually creating that they have to fund. Government has become bloated. But when you look at our infrastructure and the basic things that government needs to be providing, again, bridges, roads, um, uh, um, sewer plants, water plants, 
these things are crumbling. The, if you look at the water system in California, we are living on a system that was built, the, the last dam I think was built in the 1960s. And we're still, um, we've got a, we're a, a, a state of 40 million people and we're relying on a system that was built over 50 years ago. And that investment in infrastructure is not taking place. We need to get back to basics. We need to actually focus our efforts and at the state and federal level, they need to shrink and allow us at the local level to call the shots. We have just about a minute left. So uh, I want to ask you, what do you want our listeners to remember most about today's show? Well, I, I'm one who I'm very optimistic. And even though the last six months COVID has been uh, at the forefront of everybody's mind, there still is great opportunity in front of us uh, here in Fresno County. Um, I also want our listeners out there to remember the fact that realtors do a tremendous job protecting you as a buyer or a seller. That process has gotten so complicated that I don't know how anyone really can, can get through the process of buying or selling a home without a realtor. So if you're looking to buy or sell a home, um, you can go and look up the California Association of Realtors, look at uh, the local chapter here, and there are hundreds of exceptional realtors right here in your own backyard. Why, thank you. I, we didn't even ask for that, but you gave it to us. And let me add to it, the reason why is when you sell or buy a home, that is your Super Bowl. And thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Tune in again to 940 ESPN.